Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle. Because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider. And also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your crave. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest edition of the Pro Basketball Talk podcast here at NBC Sports. I am Kurt Heelan, Managing Editor of Pro Basketball Talk, with you as always. And today, well, it's less than two months until the in-season trade deadline, which the NBA moved up this year. And we're going to break down, hey, who might get traded, who's selling, who's buying, and which three teams have a really big decision ahead of them. We're doing it with Dan Feldman from NBC Sports. Uh, But first, I just wanted to remind you, Please, if you're a fan of this podcast, go subscribe, go into iTunes, or just go to Apple Podcasts slash PBT on NBC. That's PBT as in Pro Basketball Talk, so at NBC. Subscribe, comment, rate us. Any of that would be fantastic. You can also, also of course, find us on the Stitcher app. You can find us on NBCSports.com and, frankly, Google Play. Just about anywhere you get your podcasts, we're there. But please go in and rate us. Thank you very much for doing that. And now to break down the trade deadline and everything coming, it's Dan Feldman from NBC Sports. That's at Dan Feldman NBA on Twitter. Dan, how are you doing today, man? Good. How are you? I'm doing well. And this is an interesting, you know, we're at discussing the trade deadline. It's less than two months away now. It's starting a little early this year because for people who don't remember, it was really awkward last year when DeMarcus Cousins basically got traded during the All-Star game. And, you know, myself and a bunch of other media members ran down to the... Uh, the pool area where he was going to be interviewed after the game. And Chris from the Kings basically had to lean in and warn him what was coming. Like, you know, he'd been playing a game. He had no idea that what had happened while he was on the floor. And it was just kind of a really awkward, stunning situation. The league would like to avoid that embarrassment in the future. So now the uh, trade deadline is in front of the All-Star game, which puts a little more pressure on GMs. And it's good. I think, you know, the last couple of years have been kind of a dud. We'll see. I don't know that there's going to be a lot of movement, but I got a feeling we might see one of the top two or three guys move. We might see some names moved this year. Yeah, maybe. I mean, the Clippers falling off, I know we'll get into DeAndre Jordan, is probably going to prompt some stuff to happen. Uh, But really, if you look across the league at the bottom teams, and that's usually where I start when trying to figure out where trades might happen, who are good players on bad teams that don't have a future with that bad team as long as that team's going to be bad. Those really bad teams that don't really seem like they're going to turn a corner. They don't have a lot of good veterans. Uh, We've gotten to the point, maybe in a post-process world, where teams are a little more comfortable bottoming out, going really young, and and most of these really bad teams just don't have a lot of good veterans that are clearly going to move. Eric Bledsoe was one who fit that bill, and he's already been traded. Yeah, exactly. I think we'll get into this. It should be interesting. Actually, let's start with DeAndre Jordan, because I think if there was one guy I was going to bet was moved by the deadline, it's Jordan from the Clippers. Uh, they are already taking calls on this and listening to people. Um, 
it's an interesting situation, though. Look, two things. A, he's a free agent next summer. You're going to have to pay him, and he's 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 going to ask for a max. He's probably not going to get it, but he's still a clear. You got to give him. 25 million a year probably 20 25 million a year you're talking about an elite defensive center a guy who was all nba last year who's efficient at scoring but he's also got to fit your system you can't just put look he doesn't space the floor there are certain things he doesn't do you need a strong pick and roll point guard with him and then use him as a backstopper so there's not every team is going to want to invest in him and especially if they don't think they can resign him yeah, the $25 million, it really depends on the number of years. If you're going to re-sign him for four or five years, I'm not sure he gets that much. He's going to turn 30 next summer. It's a league stocked with centers, which is going to be a huge thing affecting yeah. the trade market for him. I'm, I'm just not as convinced as you are that he's going to be traded and that he'll get this huge contract in free agency next summer. I think both are definitely possible, but I guess I'm a little more reserved on it. It's, it is possible they don't, although I think the Clippers are looking pretty hard. The Clippers are one of these teams that, that they kind of come to a crossroads, right? They, they they went into this summer, last summer, saying, all right, we lose Chris Paul. We're not going to rebuild right now. We're re-signing Blake Griffin to a max deal. But I think he's going to get moved just because, A, the Clippers, I think, are going to be willing to take less. Like I said, they went into last season thinking, hey, we've got to, do, you know, we're going to bring back Blake Griffin. We're going to do as well in this trade. You know, they get Patrick Beverly. They go out and sign Danilo Gallinari. They bring in Tia Dosich. They, they aren't going to bottom out. And, you know, a couple of injuries, a couple of injuries we probably should have expected on an injury-prone team later, they're bottoming out. And I think they realize it's going to be hard to keep Jordan and they're going, the price for him is going to come down. They'll take something. It's just curious, like the teams you think might have interest that make sense. I don't know if he can I don't know if Washington can get him and re-sign him unless the Clippers want to take back Gortat. I I don't know in the case of somebody like Milwaukee, who have some young pieces they could give up, but is warm-weather DeAndre Jordan, who's grew up in Texas, lived in Los Angeles, never lived in a cold climate, does he want to go to Milwaukee full-time? I mean, does, I, I, I honestly don't know the answer to that. I think he thought he was going to be a Clipper for life, and that doesn't seem likely now. I'm curious where he'd be willing to resign. And again, I think part of that, of course, comes, he might not want to live in Milwaukee, but you give him enough money and he'll live there. You know, money will ultimately determine this. I just, like you said, I'm not sure how high teams will go. Well, well, from the Clippers' perspective, I don't know what they want to be. Uh, because like you said, the plan should sort of be changing after what they tried last summer didn't work. But they committed multiple years to this plan in a lot of ways. Blake Griffin has this five-year contract. He's only in year one. Gallinari has three years guaranteed. He's only in year one. Uh, Austin Rivers, Wesley Johnson, uh, they have player options for next year that, that I think they'll probably exercise. Taya Dosage might exercise his player option. They don't necessarily have an out to retool and be different. So I think teams are going to have to come uh, with fairly good offers. I don't even know what those look like, though. I don't know if the Clippers are going to try and go young with Blake Griffin as their only guy, whether... Uh, trading DeAndre Jordan is the first domino to eventually trading Blake Griffin. I, I just don't know what they're looking for, what direction they're going. Yeah, and it feels like they would want to... I mean, from the outside, you'd be like, yeah, all right, this might be time to rebuild. You lost Chris Paul. This isn't really working out. Let's go. But from the inside, this is this is a historically bad franchise that is, in spite of everything that you might say about them not reaching their potential over the last few years... This is the best stretch of Clipper basketball in Clippers history, and I don't know that Steve Ballmer's looking to just blow it up 
especially at a time that he's trying to get a new arena built. I mean, he, that, it doesn't help to be bad and rebuilding and already kind of be the second sister in Los Angeles during this window. So I'm not sure what the Clippers are going to do, but I do think I do know they're listening and talking about DeAndre Jordan. I do expect him to be moved. I'm I'm just not sure what the Clippers are going to want back. Like you said, they may want pieces that help them keep their head above water for a couple of years, which isn't a strategy not everyone takes. Um, I think though, you know, they've got questions, but I think I think the three teams that I find really interesting heading into the trade deadline with the questions they have to get are Oklahoma City and Paul George, but I think the Pelicans and Grizzlies have questions. But let's start with Paul George, which has rumors out there. Obviously, things aren't going exactly according to plan in OKC, but are they? Do you think that they're going to get to the point where they decide this isn't working? We got to see if we can get anything back for Paul George. Yeah, I don't know. That that's one reason I like the Paul George trade so much for Oklahoma City. Another is because I completely underestimated Victor Oladipo and Demontis Sabonis, uh, like yes. a lot of people did. Uh, but I always thought, okay, they could flip him, and it seemed that if this wasn't working, it was going to be well. The supporting cast around Russell Westbrook and and Paul George won't quite be enough. Now you've got a real conundrum because. Paul George is part of the problem. He's not producing in the way you'd hope. So if you cut bait, if you trade, you're selling low on him. You're not going to get as much as you probably thought you could if you flip him before the deadline. I think patience is in order there. I see yes. some good signs from the Thunder. They have that really bad record in close games. Those tend to be coin flips. That tends to even out. Their defense has been really good. I don't think they're quite as bad as their record. They might not be as good as they hope to be, as good as they want to be ever this year. Paul George might leave in free agency. Uh, but I think you've got to take this at least closer to the deadline. They could face a very hard choice. But I think right now the choice is pretty clear. You you hang on for for another couple months and don't feel like you need to, to blow it up right now. Well, exactly. There's 30-plus games left. And I think you can go, if you're, if you're Oklahoma City and, and Sam Presti, you can go... 15 or 20 of those, frankly, and and before you really have to make a decision. The other problem you've got there is you're not going to get much back if you trade him. Look, he is a last-year contract who has been anything but subtle about the fact that he'd like to be a Laker. Like, And that might still happen. It, it, maybe it doesn't. You know, Maybe he looks at the Lakers and where they are and thinks they're not where he wants to be yet. But he was pretty clear in the run-up that that was something he was leaning towards. How much am I going to trade for a guy that I'm renting and not sure I can re-sign if, if I'm, you know, again, I'm basically getting him for a one-year run and hoping I can convince him. That's going to limit how much I'm going to offer back to Oklahoma City. They're not going to get near value if they try to move him. The other big problem for the Thunder is, let's just say, they, they turn the season around, they have a good enough year, and Paul George wants to re-sign, which is a lot of ifs. Then what? Because it's not going to be easy. Uh, they would be looking at a pretty massive luxury tax bill if he resigns and Carmelo Anthony opts in. Carmelo's due $28 million He's next opting year. In. He'll probably opt in. I mean, the only way he doesn't, it's not a financial choice. It's if he doesn't really like being in Oklahoma City and wants to go somewhere else. But financially, it's hard to see him not opting in. Although I guess I suppose if the Thunder turned it around to the point where Paul George wants to resign. Carmelo Anthony might be playing a different type of way. I, I still think he's opting in. And you're looking at this massive luxury tax bill uh, that I don't know how eager the Thunder are, are going to be to pay. 
obviously Paul George would be a priority, but if you have to completely strip down the supporting cast to be able to afford him, then you're kind of stuck as a franchise. You're not going to be going forward like you hope to be. It's a real tough situation for him. Yeah, and remember that they have paid a ton of money going forward. They have locked Steven Adams up, as they should. He's been fantastic, but they've locked Steven Adams up. That's expensive. They've got, I mean, they're just, their salary next year, if Carmelo opts in and they max out George, is actually north of $200 million. And that, and then it gets into the, and then the tax and repeater tax, I including mean, it, the tax. And I'm sorry, including the tax. But it it's it was up to I've I've heard numbers, and I this is more your field than mine, but like closer to 250 once you throw in the tax, right? It gets because it's repeater, it gets just ugly. That's the kind of number that would make the Lakers, the Knicks, you know, the, the spendy big market teams bulk, let alone <laughs> Oklahoma City. Right, uh, and so. Then you've got to unload guys like Andre Robertson, who can be a, a helpful player. Uh, you got to look at getting rid of Alex Abrinas, Patrick Patterson, more helpful players. You got to get rid of Kyle Singler, who's not helpful at all, which is why it's going to take a draft pick to get rid of him. And you're going to be left with a stripped down roster. And I don't know. I don't know how much the Thunder can show in the next few months where you'd feel confident saying, okay, we're going to have a lesser version of this team and just hope that internal growth of our stars is going to be enough. Because the internal stars right now, they look nowhere near close to being enough with a solid supporting cast, at least once things go, get going, I think. Uh, but without those guys, without those support players, and maybe it means getting rid of Steven Adams, that's uh, far harder to do the season he's having. There's no great solution here for Oklahoma City. Uh, no. Except for paying, but it's not my money. <laughs> exactly. And I just, I think that we're all kind of balking at the idea they would do that. What about the Pelicans with DeMarcus Cousins? I think that they face sort of the same question of how good are we? Do we want to do this? Right now they're kind of a bubble playoff team. They, they're they right on the, you know, fighting for those six through, the six through nine spots are really tight in the West. And, and you could you could say they'll get in. You could say maybe not. But their problem becomes back to if they don't resign. I mean, if they don't keep him and then basically max him out or close to it to resign him and keep him with Anthony Davis, then what? I mean, if they, <laughs> their problem is they don't have a plan B. Really, I mean, if they, if they trade him, don't make the playoffs, there's going to be a front office house cleaning. This is a team that's and a franchise desperate to make the playoffs. I can't see them trading Cousins because of that. Look, I'll just put it this way: I can't see Dell Demps as GM trading him, but could Mickey Loomis and ownership above them kind of say that's the direction we should go and, and order it? Could they? I mean, maybe. It's such a such a mess there how they've operated. If you've entrusted Dell Demps to build this roster to get to the playoffs no matter what to save his job, that's the path you've chosen. By the trade deadline, uh, the Pelicans are almost certainly going to be a borderline playoff team. Right. They're not going to be clearly in. They're not going to be clearly out. And I think you've just got to play it out. Hope you make it. Hope Cousins resigns. Uh, hope Anthony Davis continues to take steps forward and, and can become this elite best player in a championship team caliber player. Cousins could be the second best player on a championship team. And, and just hope that things break the right way. Uh, they're in such a corner. I don't really see another alternative. Maybe somebody comes with this giant offer, a lot of picks, but you have to remember, whatever you're doing, you got to price in the fact that if you trade Cousins for young players and picks, 
that probably just gets you one step closer to doing the same with Anthony Davis at some point in the next couple of years. Yeah, exactly. I mean, Anthony Davis, I'm sorry, Celtics fans, not on the market right now. This is We're talking a couple of years down the line, but that's the problem, the, the ultimate problem they have is that, to me, Anthony Davis is right now a top five NBA player. He is a guy you could build around. They have done a poor job of it. And if he's frustrated in a couple, look, he's in what I believe year two of the five-year deal. But you get a couple years from now, if he's not happy, if they're not winning, they're going to be in a sticky situation. And so I think that they kind of push all their chips in. I'd be surprised if Covizens is available and gets traded again uh, this time before the All-Star game rather than during it. But I, I, I would be surprised, but I think it's a decision that they kind of have to make. And it can't, I guess the other question is, can they just afford to rebuild? I don't know with where Davis is in his career they can afford to do that. I mean, I, I do think with him having a couple years guaranteed before his player option left on that extension, maybe you could try and do something quick. I do think it gets a little under or overstated. Most is how you're playing when he comes up for free agency. If you look like you're about to make that next step, players are less likely to leave it, and they're more likely to forgive past problems. We're getting pretty late in the process. If they're going to do something, if they're going to go a new direction, like now is the time before it's too late. But I don't think they want to do that. I think they're in an okay spot. They already got Cousins. They've got Drew Holiday. They've picked their direction. And I think they've just kind of got to roll with it. Now, maybe in hindsight, or even in foresight for anybody not involved in, in that management, maybe you shouldn't have gotten to this point where Dell Dems felt like he had to go all in no matter what and push in every asset and keep trading first-round picks to win now, win now, win now, because he's always trying to save his job. But if you're going to allow him to do that, he's done a pretty good job of it at this last turn. Yeah. And that brings us to the third team, which I think is maybe the most interesting. Memphis Grizzlies have a decision to make with Marcus Gasol. I don't know that Mike Conley's very movable just because of his injury history and how much money is left on that contract. But I think you might be able to move Marcus Gasol. They are not a playoff team. They, the wheels have come off. They don't really have an identity anymore. It was grit and grind, but... You know, David Fisdale wanted to play fast. Now they're back to playing slow, but they're they're not the defensive team they were. It looks like it's rebuild time in Memphis, but the GM, Chris Wallace, has been like, no, like we like our young players. We like this. They have made it very clear that right now nothing is available, even though I think from the outside, most people think they probably should rebuild. Yeah. I mean, I, I think they picked the wrong direction last summer and are, are now paying the price. Because what I personally would have liked to see them do is if you want to go this route, re-sign Zach Randolph, re-sign Tony Allen. Allen, you could have gotten cheaper. Randolph, I, I guess I'm assuming you could have gotten him cheaper than than the Kings pay. That, that was an outlandish price, but I think he probably would have valued being in Memphis more. And just let these proud players who've done so much together, competed so hard together, just decline in their own way. They'll play hard. Maybe they sneak in the playoffs once more. Maybe not, but they're going to play hard. They'll have that identity. Fans would would be happy to watch them. Instead, you get rid of Allen, you get rid of Randolph, and you try and plug these holes with these journeymen and second-round picks and cast-off and reclamation projects, and none of them are good enough, and it's not especially an especially likable team outside of Gasol and and Conley to the local fans, not by the fault of the other players, but just they don't have the local connection. So you're going to be bad now and just not quite as connected to the fan base. You're not fully going to rebuild, apparently, because you won't trade Gasol or Conley. I think you really have to pick a direction where you didn't pick the other direction last summer. 
I do think it's time to get serious about trading Gasol and Conley, especially Gasol. Uh, Gasol yeah. showing a lot of signs of aging, a lot of signs yes. of decline, and I think the time to move him is now before everybody picks up on it. The, if they uh, haven't already. Yeah, and I yeah I think teams have picked up on it. I think though you could still get value for him now. There's another part of this equation. There is a ownership situation going on there where a couple of minority owners are going through a, a, I don't want to say a convoluted, it's a fairly complex process where they're have the, they've set a price and basically told Robert Perra, they're negotiating a little bit, I think right now, but basically Robert Perra ultimately has to buy these two guys out, the current owner, Robert Perra, and take full control of this team. Although he's largely an absentee owner, but he's got the money to do this. Or does he decide he just wants to get out, make his money, let these two minority owners kind of take over. And, if look, when you're talking about even for somebody, I don't know, let's uh, somebody where the owner isn't terribly involved, hands-on on the basketball side. The Spur, <laughs> we'll start naming really good programs, but the Spurs and some of these teams where the owner isn't hands-on like that and leaves this to the GM and the basketball people as they should. If you're talking about a we're going to rebuild trademark Gasol kind of direction change, ownership has to sign off on that. And right now that's in limbo and that couldn't put the whole process kind of on pause until they figure out what that situation is. Yes, and I, I, I guess I don't know which of the owners involved right now feel which type of yeah. way. And if they feel different ways, that is obviously a complexity. But I also think for the overall health of the franchise, no matter who owns it, it's pretty clear you have to at least look at Mark Gasol trades. And every indication we have right now I think Grizzlies are just saying no. This no, is not no, they're shooting. I've heard. Do. I've heard it from multiple people. They're shooting down everybody who talks to them. Right, and, and so to not even look at it, I just think is so bad for the health of the organization. No matter who owns the team, in the end of of this process. Yeah, it's it's going to be best. Conley will be harder to move, but you could, like I said, I think you could get value for Gasol, and maybe they flip on this. Maybe, like do, you do said, do you think so? I, 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 I think Conley might have a little more value uh, in a league moving away from centers. The way Gasol has shown decline, I think. Uh, Conley might have a little more value. Uh, he, you, you got two problems with him. A, that is a big contract. Remember, that was the biggest contract in NBA history when he signed it, and he still got. Uh, he's in the second year of the five years, if I remember correctly. Secondly, there's that Achilles thing that he's already missed time for this year. That is not the kind of thing. That is not the kind of injury. Like, oh, we're just going to get some surgery and it'll heal up. It, it's a gonna. You're going to have to maintenance and maintain that thing. It's going to be missed time every year, and that's a concern. You're paying a lot of money for a guy who's going to play 65 games a year, 60 games a year. I think that that's the concern, that how much money am I paying for potentially physically damaged goods? I, mean, I don't. It's hard to know. I'm, I'm not a doctor. I'm not going to play one on the radio, but I do know that Achilles are, once you kind of have the chronic Achilles thing, you kind of have the chronic Achilles thing. It's, it's, it's not that simple to get rid of, especially when your job is to run up and down a hardwood court for a living. Yes, and, and can we bring up, as long as we're talking about the Grizzlies, just Chandler Parsons for a second. Yeah. Obviously, that's kind of hanging over their heads. Yep. That's a big contract that's not at all movable unless you're trading a lot of assets to dump him. A real toxic contract, and maybe they didn't do the right due diligence when they signed him to see where his, his knee injuries were. But I like the theory of it. it. It hasn't worked, but the theory being, okay, we've got a pretty good team, an aging core, and the cap is going up, and this is our one chance to take a big swing, somebody who could put us over the top. And I do like that idea of a risk, where, where 
where this is your moment, this is your window, and this is when you put your chips in, you take a risk. It didn't work, but that's the type of attitude I think the Grizzlies need to find again. Right now, they're just slowly sinking. Yeah, exactly. Uh, some other guys that are um, would be interesting on the market. Um, in Chicago, Nikola Mirotic is pretty much asked out. It, it, can you see him getting moved or someone else off the Bulls? I, I That one wouldn't shock me, and I think he has value for, for other teams. That's a guy who can step out and play some four and shoot for it. The, the Bulls are kind of weird because I do wonder. They won four in a row. I wonder if they're going to trick themselves into believing, hey, we can do something. And there's a lot of time before the trade deadline, before reality to come back at them. Uh, but they've been a solid team for a long time. They haven't always been as good as they want to be, and that's why they've gone down this rebuilding path. But living through it is a different thing, and the misery of losing can be tough. And I don't know what their appetite is going to be for that and whether they'll move somebody like Miritich. And, and I do wonder, he said it's over. The problems between him and Bobby Portis, they're over, he's moved on. And if he really means that, then the trade request, to me, that ha- that's rescinded. That's the biggest part of moving on. And so if the Bulls aren't under the pressure to move him, if they're winning a little bit more because of him, and feel better about themselves during the season. I don't know if they're going to be as eager to move him. What about Robin Lopez? Now that's again limited role, but in the for the right team could could provide value if you're I don't know. Let's say Cleveland, uh, somebody <clears throat> looking for a rim protecting solid big man. You want to get in the DeAndre Jordan sweepstakes, but you're not winning there. I could see Robin Lopez as a secondary cause, especially if you can send them a picker young player for that rebuilding effort. Um, by the way, a little shout-out to Chris Dunn, who I had pretty much written off and has played really well the last few weeks. He has. He's playing in a, a way that contributes to winning, which is the type of thing that makes the Bulls think, hey, maybe we can win a little bit more than expected this season. And, and with Robin Lopez, it's the same as Miritich, where, yeah, it makes sense. It makes sense that a team that's going to be headed to the lottery that has a productive veteran who can help a team now moves him for future help that will help that team once they're ready to actually win. Makes all the sense. Uh, but Lopez comes with the additional problem of most teams that want to be good right now have centers. The yep. league is overstocked with centers. You brought up the Cavs. That's a good example of a team that could maybe use another one. But it's not a robust market for, for centers. No. Not at all, and I think that that's been part of the problem. And it, like you mentioned, it makes this summer really interesting when Marcus, you know, not Marcus, when DeMarcus Cousins and DeAndre Jordan are both free agents who some, you know, in certain markets might have demanded max salaries, but I don't know that either of them are going to get what they think just be, as good as they both are. Don't get me wrong. You know, they're both all NBA-level centers. I don't know how much of a market there's going to be for them just because of the game and and, and just supply and demand. I don't know how many teams are really looking for them. So it's it's going to be an interesting center summer market. Um, and that kind of impacts the things like trading Lopez, too, or DeAndre Jordan. Um, what about when you're talking, you know, another interesting one, everybody's going to call the Clippers about DeAndre Jordan. I wouldn't be surprised if the conversation slips to Lou Williams, who has played just like you expect Lou Williams to play. They've had to start him due to injuries a little more than they want. But if you're looking for a scoring punch guy off the bench, you could do a lot worse. Oh, yeah. I'm a big fan of his game. He he knows how to fit in. He's really become such a smart player. He takes yeah. good shots, and he makes them. And he doesn't try and do much else. It'd be nice if he were uh, more of a playmaker for others. It'd be nice if he were a better defender or helped out on the glass. But he knows that's not him, and he... He doesn't get in the way trying to do too much. He plays his game. Uh, I think 
the market for him should be strong. And unlike centers, there are a lot of teams that could use a player like him. Yes, exactly. And that brings me to one other guy of, of interest. Look, the point guard, a lot of teams have point guards, but is somebody going to be calling the Sacramento Kings, who are, we can clearly say, not a playoff team in the West? Um, they've got George Hill. They do have Zach Randolph. They do have Vince Carter. I'm not sure you can move either of them, but George Hill might have value. He's a guy who, in a better situation, might be able to help, and he's not really happy at all in Sacramento right now. Have you seen him play this year? I mean, yeah. I, I agree that if he were a little happier, he might play better. But it's hard to project that when, when you watch him go through the motions rather unsuccessfully. That big contract, it's not as big as it could have been or it seemed like it was initially reported, but still $19 million guaranteed next year. It's really hard to aggregate enough salary to match that without giving up something, somebody better than him. I think it's going to be tough to move him. I don't think he has a lot of value at this point. Yeah, and I, I, the Kings are another team where I'm not quite sure what the long term plan is there. Uh, it should be to rebuild, and but then they, you know, they bring in some of the guys who are taking away minutes, and it leaves that weird mix of you know Jaeger trying to win a little bit. And once, by the way, once the uh, Timberwolves make the playoffs this year, which I think we can safely say the Timberwolves, despite we can pick apart the flaws there in their defense and have their questions about them long-term right now and chemistry issues, they're making the playoffs. They are a playoff team. The Kings will take over. I believe it'll be 11 straight years from not making the playoffs for them. And and at some point, like they've pushed for that. And I know they're trying to rebuild, but I'm not sure how patient owner Vivek Ranadive will be. We'll see. That's a, They're in the middle of a rebuilding process, but... And that's a loyal fan base and the new arena. It's not like they're, you know, they're still filling the place up right now. But I wonder how long before they make another veteran push to just try to get into the postseason. Well, they could do it next year. There's really no harm, no foul because they won't have their first round pick. There's that's no true. point in tanking. Uh, you don't want to set yourself up for more problems down the road with burdensome long term contracts. Uh, but to a limited degree, if you want to make a playoff push next year, that's fine. That's part of the reason I didn't like them making this half-hearted push this year with with Hill and Randolph and, and Carter, to whatever that was, was was because this year had to be all about the draft pick. And then next year was, was the year if you really wanted to try and make steps forward. Uh, and, and just one other point on those contracts, and you can look at Garrett Temple, too, maybe yeah. even Costa Kufos to a degree, but, but Temple's the one that stands out to me. Temple's having a fine season uh, he can contribute in some nice ways to a, a team trying to win I can see a lot of teams watching him and saying oh yeah that's the type of player we can pluck but then you look he's making eight million dollars he has an eight million dollar player option for next season when you have to overpay these guys just to get them they're not going to have as much trade value it's going to be hard to find a team that wants to pay Garrett Temple even though I bet you can find plenty of teams that would like to add Garrett Temple to their bench yeah, exactly. I think the the Kings are in an interesting spot. One other one, I just because Laker fans like to talk about this. Yes, the Lakers would like to move Lou Aldang to clear the cap space to go after two max contracts this summer. They would probably have to attach Julius Randle to that. And frankly, Dan, I don't think that's enough. It would take more than that. I think it's going to take Randle and a pick probably. And that's with Randle looking like a legitimate backup five. Like you look at him play this season, you're like, you know what? I wouldn't mind having that guy as my backup center. And then you sign him next summer once yep. the Lakers pull his qualifying offer because they're going after somebody bigger. Yeah, exactly. I don't. How much am I really going to put into this? And I don't. Why do I want to take on Dang? Which is why I now have to 
Lakers have to throw in picks or throw in another player on that mix. And yeah, they're loaded at power forward, but they're not getting rid of Kuzma. They really like, uh, and, and Walton really likes Nance. And so who are you going to move? I don't think they're moving Ingram. He seems to be turning a corner. Um, I've, li- I've liked his play a lot the last few weeks. He's His shot's better. He's been more decisive. By the way, he's getting stronger. Like Everybody looks at him, and it's easy to look at him and think, man, that is one skinny guy, because that is one skinny guy still. <laughs> but he's played much more physically. I just, I've been more impressed with him the last few weeks. I think I think he's starting to figure it out. So, um, As much as the Lakers would like to do that, though, I'm, I mean, I suppose you can always find a dumping ground if you're willing to give up enough assets. I'm just not sure what they're, how much they're willing to give up to do it, if, if it's going to be worth it to them. I mean, it all depends on who would come. If you're getting yep. LeBron James and Paul George, all right. You know, if you're yep. getting Nerlens Noel and somebody, no, obviously yeah. not. And then there are a bunch of guys in between where they could be facing a hard choice yeah. in between. Well, what, and I could say, just I would let's say it's not LeBron just for fun. Let's say it's Paul George because he wants to come and Demarcus Cousins at a little less than the max. But you still got to see that that one becomes tougher to me. Like LeBron's right. LeBron's a no brainer. LeBron is up there with Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, Kawhi Leonard, James Harden, the handful of guys in the league where you're like, I w- 20, all 30 teams would do whatever it took to get them. There are certain players, you know, you go get no matter what. LeBron is one of those guys, even at, at this point in his career. Is DeMarcus one of those guys? No, no, but, but getting rid of Luol Deng for, you know, attaching two protected first round picks or, or maybe even unprotected one. Cause you're going to think you're going to be pretty good. That might be worth the risk because it comes with Paul George. Hey, you know, these are the borderline calls where it depends on the protections and, and all those other yeah, things. Exactly, exactly. We've talked a lot about, Dan, about the sellers. Who do you see as buyers in this market? Well, the Cavs have that very intriguing Nets pick. Yes, which, uh, which, by the way, is far more tradable now, right? Like when they first got it, and there was like, oh, there's no way they're going to move it, and this was the buzz. They, they, they're keeping this thing at their LeBron insurance. Right now, that pick is 10. That's a much more tradable pick than if it's it's five or four, and especially in a draft where you know we talked to Rob Doster on this podcast a few weeks ago, but other people have said this. This is a draft that's about depending on where you want to put it, seven to nine deep, and then it falls off pretty harshly. If if that's the number ten pick, it's more movable to me. Well, let me give you the other spin on it. The Cavs are already once they get healthy a fairly deep team. Yep. So if they're going to trade that pick, they're going to need a real difference maker. I'm not even sure DeAndre Jordan qualifies as that big of a difference maker because he's a center, and obviously you're setting up for a matchup against the Warriors, who are experts at neutralizing centers. Yes, so and the Clippers. It, <laughs> yeah. Right. They, 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 so they, it, they've destroyed him for a while now, and he's part of the – there's bigger problems, but he's part of that problem. So if you're going to trade that pick and you're going to get a real difference maker, not just some pieces who, who can round out your, your depth chart because I think you're already fine there, then I think the pick is far more movable if it's going to be very high. If it's looking like the middle of the lottery, well, then I'm not sure you're going to get enough. Okay, yeah. What about the other na- – okay, some of the other teams we that names come up, Milwaukee comes up a lot, especially in the DeAndre talk about, about bringing in a true defensive center – this is a team that the defense continues to be the problem there. The defense continues to be inconsistent and, and not where they want it. They've kind of tweaked their system the last few weeks, and that has helped. But 
would bringing in a, a defensive center help them? And again, that would mean modifying kind of how they play defense a little bit. How how do you see them going in? I think that they're one team that really could make a move. Yeah, I mean, they could, especially with the power Jason Kidd has in Milwaukee. I think you see the more front office power than a coach has, the more likely they are to try and win immediately. And DeAndre Jordan could help them. I'd rather have Chris Middleton, even in the present. I'd rather have Chris Middleton. I think this is a team uh, that could use a little more floor spacing in some ways. And oh, yeah. Shouldn't be panicked about uh, maybe some shortcomings at center. I think Thon Maker and John Henson can, can plug away there. Uh, Giannis can play some center in, in some certain matchups. I wouldn't make that type of trade if I were them. Uh, there are some indications they feel differently. Yeah, there are. Uh, another, we've heard Washington. I can't see them getting in the DeAndre Jordan mix, and they've got. Oh, really? See, I can. I think that'd be an excellent fit. I think it would fit. I just, are, what are you going to give back? Because the Clippers obviously are going to have to take Gortat, but you've, then you've got to give them something else. Maybe Jason Smith or something to plug salary, and that's obviously not the value. That's just for salary matching for the value. I mean, this is a team that's shown a willingness to include first-round picks to upgrade at the, the deadline. Uh, they went out and got Markeith Morris that way. Uh, this was also partially a salary dump, but they got Bogdanovich last year. Uh, they also have Kelly Oubre, which is a, a very... That'd be interesting. Now yeah. now you're talking. Now, I, I think he's probably too valuable for that. He's having a really nice year. Yep. fits into a lot of their best lineups when they like to go small. Uh, so I'm not sure they would do that, but maybe you could work something out. There's always ways. You include Oubre, and then the Clippers send send back a pick. Uh, I think they have at least one left. Or, or there there are certain ways to make that work. I think the Wizards have enough potential pieces where you can maybe find an overlap. Yeah, I'm just not. Sure. I'm not sure if they go there, but that that that's a disappointing Washington team that on paper should be better. Heck, they think they're better. They would like you to know that they are right there. You know, just knocking on the door of Cleveland and Boston East. Except they're not. They don't bring it every night. They're not consistent at all, and injuries have been a little part of that. I mean, they were missing Wall for a while, but part of it is just that that team doesn't play focused basketball night in and night out. They don't have the habits of a champion yet. Um, I, and- the, the big problem with with a Jordan DeAndre Jordan Wizards trade is the luxury tax. The Wizards yep. are over it, and and I don't think they're they're looking to pay much more. And the Clippers are just under it. I don't think they're looking to pay for it to pay it. Uh, so it'd have to be almost exactly salary neutral, or you'd have to bring in a third team. So neither the Clippers nor Wizards takes additional salary. That may, obviously makes it more complex. The more complex you get, the less likely it is to happen. That's it. Uh, another team to watch, I've heard rumblings of Portland, not necessarily looking at a center because they've got Nurkic, but looking around for some more depth and a little more scoring is a team that sees themselves not as far away from the top of the West as everybody might, as others might think. And that, that with a piece or two that they could not only be a solid playoff team, but maybe win around. Yeah, they really miss Alan Crabb. They miss that, yes, they that do. shooting, that floor spacing. They've made such nice internal uh, improvements defensively. Nurkic has a lot to do with it, but so does just their players who have been known as bad defensive players, uh, especially Damian Lillard, putting more effort into that and becoming better. Uh, this is a solid team. If they add one more wing shooter... That'd be nice. I just don't know what their avenue for doing that is. They're they're hamstrung by some yep. of the bad contracts they signed. That's why they had to get rid of Crab in the first place. Yeah, exactly. But uh, but Neil Olshay is not Neil Olshay is not the kind of GM who sits on his hands. And ownership there, Paul Allen, 
he likes he likes his team to be active. He does not want it to be passive, and he wa- they, that's one of the reasons they've historically been active on the market. So I wouldn't be shocked if they found a way to do something. Again, it'd be a com- probably be a fairly complex deal, but I wouldn't be shocked. Uh, what about one other interesting one? We hear a lot of talk about. Philadelphia. I mean, they've already made one win now move, but the the trade of Jaleel Okafor and Stauskas to bring in Trevor Trevor Booker was about now. I, I, they're not going to toy with the core, but could you see them making a smaller move to bring in a little more talent to try to win now? Because they they're done waiting. Maybe I I could see it. Their problem is they they do have this one additional roster spot, I guess, as a result of this trade. With the Nets, and that that could be very big because that had been their problem for a little bit was they needed to keep everybody. Everybody they had at least had some present or future value, and there was no easy cut. Now they have this roster spot. Maybe they could use another forward, somebody who can shoot. Uh, whether that's to put Robert Covington at the four more, you get a small forward, you can get a, a stretch four yep. uh, who can do some things. I, I could see them getting somebody. Maybe they should have gone after a player like that. Instead of of Booker, but but I could see them uh, going after one medium piece. Yeah, I I could too. I, I think that wouldn't surprise me at all. I think that they want to solidify themselves in what's a pretty tight Eastern Conference. Like they're they're no playoff lock. Especially there's just that. I mean, this team is so good when Embiid's on the floor, and they're not a playoff team when he's not. And it, yeah, he's looked great this year. He stayed healthy. He's playing a lot of minutes, but you know that concern is just kind of in everybody's mind right now. I, 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 I like everyone, are, I'll go knock on wood here, that, that he's going to play, uh, you know, the full the full 82 games, or, or not quite 82, but a lot of games. In it. So far, so good. It's just always a concern. So I think they would love a little more security, a little more depth. It, it's, 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 in an, it's an Eastern Conference where I think you will see some teams make a move, partially because I think teams look at Cleveland and think, maybe. Like they they just look more vulnerable this year than they have in the past. Yeah, I can I bring up one one more team of that course. I don't think anybody's talking about that we should talk about a lot more, and that's a seller potential seller. That's the Charlotte Hornets. Maybe yeah. The Hornets are thirteenth in the East. They're ten and seventeen. They're behind the Nets. They're behind the Magic. Kemba Walker is going to be a free agent in two years. Do you want to get out ahead of that? And he, you know, he's obviously the biggest piece, but they also have Batum, uh, who's way overpaid and has a big long contract, but is also when healthy a brings value player. Yeah, he brings Mar- real value. Marvin Williams has become a nice stretch four who fits well in teams that know what they're doing. Uh, Michael Kidd Gilchrist is kind of getting to the point where, okay, you know what he is. There's probably not going to be another leap in his game, uh, but he can help a team. Might not be somebody a, a bad team like the Hornets want to keep around. Uh, Dwight Howard. Uh, I'm not sure you can really. Jeremy Lamb's having a real nice season. Yes. This could be the right time to trade high on him. There are all kinds of pieces on this roster. There's, there's a reason I picked them to make the playoffs. They don't look like they're going to do it now unless things turn around. I don't know. Kemba Walker. The situation a little bit reminds me of. There's obviously not the same player coach tension. I don't think. Uh, but of Darren Williams when the Jazz got ahead of it, they got a massive haul because they traded him early rather than late, and. The Hornets, if they don't trade Kemba Walker, they're probably going to have to take him into unrestricted free agency. Because of all these other big contracts, they're not going to be able to renegotiate and extend his contract because they have Walker on such a bargain deal right now, they can't just do a straight extension. So I think 
I think it makes some sense to at least look quietly, look at trading him and see if there's a team. Now, the problem is a lot of good teams already have point guards. There aren't many teams yes. that are both good and that need a point guard. Uh, but there's at least one. The Nuggets come to mind as the one, and they have a ton of young assets and things that could help Charlotte long term. I don't know if Michael Jordan's going to take this path. I don't know if he's willing to take a step back like that. Uh, but I think this is kind of an interesting team that might be at a crossroads itself. No, I was about to say that that used that exact word. To me, this is a team that thought it th- thought it was. We thought it was. They, look, we're taking a step forward this year. We got Dwight Howard. Our defense is going to be better. We're going to get back to being who we were, and we're going to make the playoffs. They're not. It, it, well, I shouldn't say not, but it's very unlikely at this point. Like you said, they're with the teams they're behind and how they're playing, and and now no, you know, injuries have hit them. They don't have Steve Clifford, their coach, for a while right now too. I, and I think that that becomes a organizational. This is one of like we were saying. I was saying earlier. There are certain decisions owners have to make. This is a Michael Jordan decision. Do we take that step back? Do we start moving these pieces and retooling this franchise in? Search of our next a star player, another player to build around. If it's not Kemba Walker, and maybe, maybe you do that. Maybe you move Kemba, and start getting picks and players to to kind of do that rebuilding. I think, I think the fans would be understanding because right now they're just you, they they're not just I would say they're not just stuck in the middle ground like they're falling and and it might be time to to reconsider that and that's actually a really smart call. They would be a really interesting trade partner just because they've got pieces that teams could use and it's not again there's a lot of teams that could use Batum it's not going to be that easy to move that deal but there's a lot of teams who could use a good 3 and D guy like that yeah I mean there's it, it just so much talent on this roster and a lot of it's overpaid uh, so you're not going to get quite as much back as you'd like uh, but but it could be the right time to jumpstart or rebuild exactly well I it's going to be an interesting couple of months then we'll be covering it all at NBC Sports where can everybody find you on Twitter I'm at Dan Feldman NBA. Yeah, we've got some interesting stuff coming up. What have you been working on that you've got coming up? Uh, well, I'll have something in depth on Kevin Durant altering his playing style a little bit, and Jason Tatum out of nowhere becoming one of the best rookie three-point shooters, maybe the best ever. Uh, you think he actually probably is the best ever statistically right now? We'll see if he can sustain on it. Pace. I, I didn't. Nobody saw that one coming either. It's except for Danny Ainge, who's obviously brilliant and smarter than all of us. And um, I've got some. Some uh, interesting stuff with the Knicks coming up and their rookie point guard as well. So um, we've got some good stuff coming up at NBC you should check out. And, of course, check out this podcast at NBCSports.com or just go to ApplePodcast.com slash PBT on NBC. Subscribe and comment there. And uh, we look forward to talking to you again soon. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.